0: Welcome to The New Normal with Lucas Rosenfield. So we had previously spoken about Michael Moore's new documentary, the uh, one that he executive produced called The Planet of the Humans, which was directed by a good friend of his, Jeff Gibbs. And this documentary has caused uh, massive waves online and has really generated a lot of discussion about it. So there's been a lot of criticism, uh, towards the, uh, documentary. And I think to summarize it, there are a few main points that a lot of the criticisms have in common. So, uh, many of them say that it's anti-working class. Um, many say it's anti-humanist, anti-humanist. Uh, they say that he's advocating for population control. They say that some of the facts that he's using and some of the photos of, like the solar panels or the wind turbines, for instance, are outdated, and some of the specific facts with regards to their energy output are outdated and that the technology has improved since then. And they also accuse him of fear-mongering a lot and by playing into the hands of the fossil fuel industry. uh, And look, I mean, a few fossil fuel companies in America have come out and said, yeah, you know, we kind of support this documentary almost. So, look, look, I think some of this criticism, criticism uh, is valid, uh, specifically relating to the outdated facts. And look, any sort of journalist or whatever should make sure that what they're reporting is accurate. And it seems like what Michael Moore did is that, look, that we, he said that this documentary has been in the works for a long time. And I, I think that's true. You know, it's not like you just make a Huge documentary like this in the last sort of month or so, especially during coronavirus. So, he's been working on this for a long time. uh, him and Jeff Gibbs and the whole production team behind it. So, yeah, some of it is outdated, and that that's an issue, obviously, because you know you, you want to be able to get an accurate picture of where we are at now. Because at the end of the day, he hasn't released this documentary five or ten years ago. He's released it now. So, we want we want to be able to have accurate facts and. I think those criticisms are very valid and he, he definitely should have done better in terms of that. Um, now, onto the second point about uh, fear mongering. Look, I mean, when you watch the movie, uh, it's terrifying. Uh, you know, there's no other way to put it. It's very, very scary. But we also have to look at the situation that we're in and we also need to uh, realize that the situation that we are in and the reality that we're living in is very scary um you you know we 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 should be scared about it we shouldn't just be accepting of it we we should be very fearful of our future if we don't correct our ways and so i think that criticism well, although there is some validity in it in that uh you know no you, you want to be able to offer solutions which he, he doesn't really do that explicitly in uh, the documentary he doesn't really offer any clear-cut solutions um he's very critical of the so-called solutions that we have right now which are just replace basically all the coal with uh solar and wind so look i think there might be some validity to that but i think it's important that we also uh realize that yeah we're in a shit situation and sugarcoating it isn't really going to help now onto the population control thing so Look, I, I think if you watch the movie, you might be left with that impression where you think, shit, we actually have too many people. Um, and, you know, we need to address our global population because there are just too many people on the planet and we just don't have enough to make sure that all of them have food. And I couldn't I can completely understand how you would arrive to that conclusion if you've watched the movie. And I, I think that's an issue, Um if people start advocating for population control, like culling and stuff, that is, that is terrifying, and that's really like not the solution here. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, we, we can't also just have uh, infinite population growth. And look, population growth—most uh, of the projections say that all peak around mid-century or uh, towards the later half of the century. But you know, we also need to realize that oh shit, we do actually not have unlimited stuff and we need to make sure that our population doesn't completely spiral out of control, particularly in developing countries where people have much worse living circumstances on the whole and people are um, a lot poorer but look there there are ways to address population growth that don't involve population control you can have better family planning you can make it so that maybe a rural family who relies on a small piece of land to subsist on maybe they don't need to have seven kids or ever or, or however many kids uh to be able to f- uh, farm and make sure that the family has food you you know there are ways to address population growth that don't involve population control necessarily um so, look, I think some of that criticism might be also misguided because I mean Michael Moore has come out and said that, no, we're not advocating for population control and and look, that doesn't completely absolve him uh of any sort of guilt with regards to this because look, people are going to come to that impression naturally, and they shouldn't have to then go like watch a follow up interview um in order to get your actual position on it you know it, that should be stated quite clearly in the documentary and I don't think that's necessarily addressed as much as it should. And his position definitely could have been clarified more. But let's now move on to the anti-working class thing. Um, And I think this is where the main sort of focus has to be. And I think people are sort of misportraying what the core message and the core idea behind the film is. And the core message is that, shit, we actually need to change our ways uh, drastically because look, a lot of people are consuming way too much. And essentially, if you could put it into one sentence, you can say that infinite growth on a finite planet is suicide. And look, on a basic level of things, uh, you know, you can look at that and you can say, okay, as a planet, we do have finite resources. You know, that that's not like an astounding fact. We don't have unlimited coal. We don't have unlimited trees. Um so, you know, th- that's not that hard to understand. So surely it doesn't make sense that we must just keep making more of stuff and more of stuff and more of stuff and more of stuff and, of stuff and people keep buying more and more and more and more. Surely it's common sense that we can't keep uh, living in an economic system which perpet- which perpetually encourages economic growth because-, because that's a huge problem. And we we need to make sure that we can fix our system so that Maybe we don't need to rely on perpetual economic growth and growth and consumption uh, every year in order for our economy to uh, be successful and pe- and for people to make a living. You know, if our economy requires uh, people to just consume stuff uh, that they don't need, or or sometimes, pe- like, people buy stuff that they don't even want, guys. Like, you might go in a shop and be like, oh, hey, that looks cool. Uh, I I'll just buy it, like, you know, we need to understand that that's not a sustainable way of living. So we need to make sure that we address this issue of infinite growth. And Greta uh, Thunberg also spoke about this. You know, it's this whole fairy tale of infinite economic growth. The fact that our economy relies on uh, people consuming more and buying more each year is a huge problem because we just can't keep making more stuff every year. And um, some of the criticism that I saw in a uh, Daily Maverick was saying that, yeah, but people in uh, like developing countries uh, don't consume and they aren't the problem. And they're accusing him of sort of buying into the eco-fascist ideology, which says, oh, we are the virus, you know, all of that. But I don't think he's really saying that. What I think he's saying is he's saying that, look, uh, people in developed countries and America is uh clear example of this, people there do buy too much stuff. And consumption there is a huge problem, but the problem ultimately doesn't uh, rest with the sort of individual who buys more. Um, And that's not their fault. The problem is the 1% who really have sort of advocated for this system for decades now of just infinite economic growth and saying that this is the only way we can do it. It's their fault because if you want to survive as a business, you have to grow right that 's just how it, our economy works and, and that 's a, a bit of a problem because to grow, you have to sell more, and we need to make sure that people aren 't buying as much useless crap as they are, and there are many people in developing countries who you know can 't afford food and, and stuff, and for developing countries it's important that uh, like ours, our economy can grow to a point where you know, we we are able to feed our whole population to make sure that everyone has enough money and enough food and enough uh, basic resources that they can get by and that they can live a decent life. You know, we're not at that position yet. We really are. We really aren't. We know. We We're nowhere close. You know, we have a huge problem in this country with poverty and with inequality. So we are nowhere near that. And for a country like us, we still need to make sure that we grow, and we also need to understand that. Uh, a lot of the problems um, and uh, you know behind sort of in- massive industrialization, which we've seen in the last two hundred years, South Africa isn't really responsible for that. It is mainly European countries and Western countries, and in recent times, China as well have ind- has industrialized uh, heavily, um, you know, since the nineteen seventies and that sort of period of time. So, look, we need to also make sure that developing countries are allowed to still grow so that they can get to a sustainable position but we can't also grow at a rate that is uh completely unsustainable and we can't we can't rely on that as the way for our economy and our society to function because look guys i said this earlier now we we can't just keep growing <laughs> more is not always uh, the best thing and Uh, for basically our almost entire history, certainly with capitalism really becoming the main sort of economic system in the world, more is seen as the, you know, the ideal outcome. It's good for businesses to make more money. And it's good for people to buy more and to consume more. But in the long term, this could just be suicide. And what this movie is saying is that it's saying that, look, we need to uh, change the way that we live. And I don't think it's, eco-fascist to say that look some uh, humans who you know aren't like massive industrialists but who have completely bought into and encourage you know this ultra-consumerist society and uh, economy that we live in that those people are part of the problem and that we need to make sure that those people who have advocated uh, in the past for like fossil fuels and for a lot of uh, very poor business practices for the environment, we need to make sure that these people are held accountable. Unfortunately, what we're seeing, and the film also points us out, is that a lot of these people are actually claiming to be leading the way in terms of renewable energy. So we see that fossil fuel companies in America are promoting uh, greener ways, and they're saying, oh, we're a green business, or we'll be carbon neutral by uh, 2030, or we'll be carbon neutral by 2050. You know that 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 that's a problem as well because a lot of these big businesses who have been a major part of the problem and have put us in the situation that we are a lot of these businesses who are now saying that oh no we're the good guys they aren't the good guys right if they are funding an environmental organization that environmental environmental organization has to give something back to them you know that can take sh- can take uh, its shape in many different forms but. It's important to note that in our world, you don't get money for free, at least uh, not very often. And, you know, there's almost no such thing as a blank check, especially when we're talking about political organizations. It's like a campaign donation, right? You are beholden to your donors. So if a big businessman uh, uh, gives you money, say a fossil fuel company donates money to your campaign... They expect something in return. They expect you to come out and say, no, look, we need to be uh, making sure that we're you know, saving our fossil fuel industry. So it's important to realize that, hell, maybe many of the people who have been leading our movement have been bought out. And that's a problem. And Michael Moore has said that, no, he has great respect for all these people. And a lot of people are trashing him and saying he's not a proper environmentalist. Guys, this dude has been in the environmental movement his whole life. If there was anyone in the world who was an environmentalist, I'd say it's him. He was invo- involved in Earth Day. I think when he was he, when he was fifteen years old, he made his first documentary. Then I think it was called, I think it was called Pollution in My Hometown. Um, you know, he's rarely been involved in it since the beginning of the environmental movement. And I think that his voice is important and part of the work that he's done throughout his whole career is pointing out uh, where we've gone wrong. You know, that's what he's. Uh, that's what the point of many of his documentaries have been it's been a critique of capitalism it's been a critique of uh american foreign policy it's been a critique of american healthcare systems and you know none of these things are you know necessarily nice to think about and you prefer to just be in a nice little bubble with everything sugarcoated for you but at the end of the day this bubble's going to pop and it's going to pop sooner rather than later and we need to make sure that we're prepared for it, and we're not going to be prepared for it if we just keep sugarcoating everything and saying that, oh no, we'll just get out of this by um, you know, industrializing our way out of it. And unfortunately, although renewable energy will definitely have an important role to play in our future economy, we can't rely so solely on that to stop climate change when we see that many other areas of our environment are collapsing, where we see fish stocks around the world getting depleted, where we see deforestation taking place, where we see uh, large amounts of soil erosion taking place and more areas becoming uh, arid and unsuitable for uh, cultivation you know where we see desertification taking place that we need to understand that we 're uh, on a very slippery slope here and he's saying that we're on the wrong we 're on the wrong p- uh, path and we need to massively change the way that our environmental movement is um is, you know, sort of uh advocating for the future. And and he he didn't really mention like Greta Thunberg and Fridays for Future in the documentary. And, and that's obviously a huge problem because they really have come to the fore in the environmental movement. But we we need to take a, a re-look at the way that we're doing things. And we need to understand that, hell, maybe we shouldn't be relying on the uh oil companies to uh, be sort of saying that, oh no, we're green, maybe maybe they're lying, guys, maybe they're lying, and I think there's a very good chance that they are lying, and that it's completely profit-driven. And look, who can blame them? That's capitalism, that's the way that we live, that's the way that our society has functioned, and it's completely messed up. And, and look, I, I don't think communism is is great either, I, th- I think some of the sort of ideologies behind it are good, but i mean when it, when you know we we see it in action it's just sort of becomes completely authoritarian and that's obviously not good but we need to understand that our current path of infinite economic growth is a complete disaster and will not save us no matter whether that economic growth is through renewable energy or fossil fuel in, or fossil fuel energy it it's just a recipe for disaster and and that really is the main point of the documentary and i think on the whole uh I think the documentary is very good and that it points out these uh, flaws in the environmental movement and how we've been thinking about things. And it highlights the harsh reality of the situation that we're in. And sure, I, I think, yeah, pretty poor that it didn't use the um, current stats and facts in terms of renewable energy and definitely has got better and better. But it's not a uh, a sort of fix all solution. It's just a plaster on top of a much larger wound and we need to fundamentally uh, think about how our society uh, functions and we need to come up with a way that our society can still function and that people can have decent lives without necessarily relying on this uh, pattern of just infinite growth which is just sending us further and further down the line towards a complete climate catastrophe and that's not a future that any of us want to be living in.